Great. Hey, I'm Julie. And I'm Pete. And that's Dewey. <laughs> and that's Julie. <laughs> and we are Restless, a podcast yes. uh, about EMS professionals. Yeah, we don't talk about clinical stuff at all. Just, you no, know, fun the, stuff. What it's about to be. Chatting. Just chatting. You know. Just chatting. Mm-hmm. Telling stories about EMS all over the country, all over the world. Yes. So tonight, who- Any views and opinions are that of ours and our guests only and do not reflect any of our current current reform employers. Right, who are we, uh, who are we chatting with, Peter? So tonight we're, we're talking to Vince from uh, Chicago's Bravest Stories. So if you oh, like Chicago. fun accent, yeah, if you like fun accents, you should definitely check it out because Chicago has got a great accent. Yeah, they said we have funny accents, but I, I don't, I don't hear it. I don't hear it. I don't hear it at all. Nope. But folks can actually check Vince out on his podcast, Chicago's Bravest. Um, you stories. Can Chicago's Bravest on- Stories. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, thanks so much. But yes. Yeah. That they have a great podcast. They do. They speak firefighters, because in Chicago it's fire and EMS pretty much are combined. Mm-hmm. Um, so you yep. should definitely check them out, but you should also check him out tonight with us. Yes, he's fun. He is. Yeah. Thanks. We hope you enjoy. Behind the 744 Avenue, I just I, I, I just said all the important stuff. I thought oh, I was about to sign off. Oh, that's it now. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. Oh man. You want to get the plug for this? Um just well, get a, hello. This get uh ready? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm getting okay. she has to get her computer all set up. So okay. hi. So hello. we have yeah, we got Vince. Hey guys from Chicago's bravest stories. Oh, that's and right. You should listen to them because uh, they got fun accents. <laughs> I should talk. What? <laughs> you know, we're listening to stuff the other day, and I'm like, and I'm like, explain to you. I'm like, this is a weed out. I'm like, a weed out's when you lay hose lines down. And she's like, what? So, <laughs> yeah. What do you guys call it in New York? What do you guys do? Stretching for- a line. Yeah, stretching stretch a line. line. Okay. Yeah. So, yep. Pretty much everybody calls it. Yeah, really. Okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that one, Pete. It's it, I, I like the fun terms from all over the place. So. I think I, I think the terminology is awesome. Like, yeah, that's what I love about like doing our podcast is we get to hear the guys from the suburbs. I mean, and just in even in within the city, yeah. how the north is different than the south side yeah. and the mm-hmm. west side. Yeah. It's it, each like each still district has their own like ecosystem. Yeah, and it's cool to to peek into there and see. Yep, you know we all do things differently, and it, it's that's what I love about you know what we do is uh, you get a little bit of culture within your culture. Yep. Oh yeah. 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 Because that's the thing too, is like think, oh, yeah, yeah, a lot I... of people. If you're just from like you know FDMY or whatever, you don't realize that there's a whole other world outside of where you work. You know, and there's so many different neat ways to do things, you know? Um, yeah. Also, uh, even in the city, like yeah. if you're in our borough in Brooklyn, it's done differently than they do things in Queens and the bosses are different. And, you know, even the mm-hmm. folks who work there are a little bit different. So it's, it's kind of, you know, it's interesting. EMS 
is a uh, very quirky. Like we all have our things, you know? Yeah. Well, Pete, you were talking about like, you know, learning from, I'm down at the Academy now. And one of the things I like about being down there is I learned just as much from the candidates yeah. as I try to teach them. Everybody, yeah. I have 104 people bring in their different perspective and bring in different knowledge. You'll have guys who are coming out. Yeah, they're candidates for the Chicago Fire Department, but they are seasoned lieutenants mm -hmm. or captains from suburban departments with lots of credentials, yeah. and lots of certs. Um, and I, I try to be as good of a student down at the academy as an instructor. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. I, I think that as far as like EMS, we have to keep an open mind, you know, that everybody can kind of teach you a little bit of something, you know, from like your initial class and then you learned it this way and then you kind of put your spin on it and then you pass it on to somebody else and hopefully they're going to put their spin and pass that on. So yeah, well, we all, we've all worked with that salty guy that it's his way or the highway. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> those, those guys aren't ever going away. Yeah. No, they won't. So but yeah, I'm you, guys, I had you, a, you definitely got to have an open mind. Yeah. So I had like an epiphany last night. I was like, I, I think I'm the old guy. Finally. <laughs> it's finally oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I was like, I didn't sleep very well. last night. I was thinking about it. I was like, Oh no, I'm the old guy. Yeah, now. You're not, you know, you're not like <laughs> salty about it. I mean, you're more like, uh, you know, you still love this job and you get really uh, adamant about it, I guess. So. Yeah. Well, so guys like you, we gotta, we gotta cling and hold on to guys like you, Pete, who have the time and who are willing to teach because they're, we're losing both of those characteristics in this new generation in EMS. Yeah. Um, the guys with the time on don't want to teach. Uh, and, and I think my personal opinion is, and I know it's the same by you guys is we're getting crushed. We're getting crushed. Our guys are mm -hmm. getting um, forced back yep. every other day. Yep. And, yeah. you know, these are guys who are doing 24, 20, yeah. you know, 30 runs a day. And your coming, guys are going busy, home. bro. Your guys it's, are busy. Yeah, we're busy. And COVID has wiped out a good chunk of our department. Yep. So yeah. we're we're hurting. It's, so yeah, what, it's really bad. What yeah. do you guys call it if you're you're getting mandated for overtime? Is uh, We call it a rehire. Okay. Oh, so how it, long, how long did they hold you for? You know, you're, you're forced back. So you'll come off your 24 hour shift. You'll buy up per our contract. We have to be off for 24 hours. Okay. But after that, you're forced back on your mirror shift. Wow. So the Chicago paramedics work one day on three days off. Okay. So you're, if like, if you work on the first shift, yeah, your mirror shift is the third shift. Okay. Um, and if you're, you know, on the second, your mirror shift is the fourth shift. So whatever shift you're on, you're going to get mandatory back on your mirror shift, wow. you know, and hmm. as you guys know, 24 hours on a busy ambulance it's isn't enough time to, no. to recover and mm -hmm. get back. It's, it's so bad for you. Uh, that, that lack of sleep and, yep. you know, your body and your central nervous system are just completely de depleted and yep. you're, you're just keep stacking on and stacking on. So yep. I think with this COVID and the lack of manpower in 
and and it's not just Chicago. No, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere, you know. So I, I think the yeah. one thing is everybody's finery was that you're worth more than you know, fifteen bucks an hour, you know. <laughs> and well, not necessarily the people paying the fifteen dollars no, an hour, but, <laughs> but you know. No, but I, I think, you know, when COVID happened um, here initially and we had mutual aid come, there were so many people that came and, you know, and after the fact, there was like a Facebook page of like all the folks who came to help us in New York. And in the last couple of months, we've had more mutual aid. And I can't tell you how many people said, like, I'd love to come back, but we're short staffed here and we need it. Yeah, there's, you know? nobody, there's nobody to send you guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's just there's no one, you know, yeah. I don't, I still am shocked that you folks do 24 hour shifts because for us, like it's 16 hours is like the technical, like, you know, most you can yep. be held for, but you know, if you have a late job, you might be 17, 18 hours. And I can honestly tell you like by the hour 16, I'm like useless. I, I don't even know which way is up. So I can't even imagine 24. It's, it's, when you're working at 24, those you, you, we measure how busy our day was by how many you did after midnight. If you mm. did 30 runs before midnight, but slept from midnight on, it doesn't count. You had a you had a good day, mm. you had an easy day, mm. but you could have done zero runs up until midnight. But if you did five after midnight, oh, bro, you got crushed. Or we got <laughs> really, yeah. Wow. The hmm. you know that's how we measure how busy our day was. Every it only counts after midnight out here. Huh. And huh. but most of us, um, you know, I'm not. A, I'm down at the academy now, so I'm speaking past tense. Okay. And speaking for my <laughs> brothers and sisters out there. Yeah. They're uh, um, they're everybody's typically working you know, that you work that whole 24 and those guys are doing at least 24 runs a day. Cause don't forget, not only is COVID affecting the fire department, but it's also the people that we're taking care of. So we're having more sick people and we're getting sick too, lessening the manpower. Yeah. And so there's a lot going on. What are you guys calling each other? I don't know. What are you doing, Joel? I'm not. Sorry. Hang on. I don't know. I can't yeah, clear out. <laughs> Sorry. You, you turn around and you throw it right at that wall right there. I know. Oh. I, I was trying to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, oh, that's like, all right. you guys, um, because I got, I don't know, like, I've talked to you before and like Eddie Joseph and stuff, and you guys have a specific area. You guys come out of a firehouse and then you cover a district. Is that what they call it? Yeah. Uh, um, um, even though, where Eddie works and where I work, um, we're, I don't know, I'd say we're probably within two miles of each other. Okay. But we're in different districts. Okay. And, but I'll take his runs. He'll take my runs. Yeah. Um, you know, the joke is we're citywide, but you have your, your, it, it's basically the still district that you're, the engine from your house would respond to. Okay. Their still district is your still district. Those lines are, are so if you're in your area and you have a run in your area while you're on, somebody has to come and take that run. Yeah. And there's a lot of pride involved with most of the crews 
who are busy, if you're at a hospital and you're hearing your engine go out or you're hearing another ambulance being responded, because everybody knows what your area is yeah. roughly. Yeah. Uh, and if you hear somebody going to your area to take up one of your runs, you're going to be like, Hey, that's my run. Put me on it. Yeah. And that the unfortunate thing is that person who was coming to take your run, they're just going to another run. Yeah. You know, but most, most of us, uh, uh, in busy companies, uh, there's still a lot of pride out there that I don't want anybody taking my runs. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't want anybody coming in there. I don't want anybody taking a run with my engine. That's my hmm. run. And I'll take it, you know, no matter, no matter how busy, obviously there are times you're, you're just started your cardiac arrest documentation. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do that first, you know, and, and everybody understands that. And, you know, it is what it is. If somebody's taking your run, everybody knows what, what we do out there and how busy things are. You're, we definitely don't have enough to cover the call volume, which is the case across the country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But That's basically, cool. like, I like you're that. not, you're not just hanging out. Like if, if you're in the hospital, just like chatting with the nurse and you hear someone going to a job in your area, you're, you're going to get it right. You're not just like, Oh, let's that's uh, my run. Yeah. That's, that's my, my run. run. I like mm-hmm. that culture, like that. you know, that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and, sort of a lost art here. That's, that's something we, you know, hopefully the younger generation coming on can, gravitate to those guys who operate like that because you know just like in any big municipality or any corporation you're going to have great workers you're going to have subpar workers and then you're going to have what we commonly refer to uh in the city as a load (laughs) you know if you're if somebody calls you a load it's not a good thing huh you know Hmm. that's the guy who might take uh you know an hour and a half for every run at the hospital, or he'll be sitting right next to you and you'll both hear the run coming over for his area and you're taking it sitting right next to that guy. That guy's alone. I don't want to, <laughs> you, you guys don't want to be alone. Long. All right. No, no, here it's called a little different. I mean, yeah, like, we call it, you're called a scale, a scale, oh, like you're scaling scale. out on your job. Scaling out. Yeah. Really? Like, wow, there's yep. skills, man. Like you yeah. heard like an, an arrest come in in their area and you're like, oh, okay. So we're taking their job. Like, wow, they're skills. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and it's, that's like what you don't want to be called here, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. And you guys, you guys call like, we call them runs. You guys call them jobs. Yeah. 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 It's kind yeah, of mixed. Think- it's, it depends where you go. Calls. Yeah. Calls, runs. What else? Job, the police, jobs, yeah. the Chicago police department uses jobs okay as in their uh you know terminology their jargon i wonder where that came from i mean for us like yeah it's like i forget i just heard it somewhere i can't remember who was talking about it yeah Hmm. yeah i had this call or a job is like mostly i feel like what we we never we never use that term we'd be like hey you know how was that job that you went (laughs) we never do that really never yeah never how was that run it's always the run Wow. How was that run? How was that call? Huh. Is it- and so we were talking to somebody before. Can you, on your computer, can you see what um, other crews are doing on the computer and like the call, like the call details? Yeah. Yeah. You, you can, can see- look at everybody's. Yeah. You can punch them in and see, see their run. Their run? So, uh, that- yeah. What? Wow, man. I wish. I- 
I'm jealous. I know. They won't let us. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't matter. You know, I, no, because yes, sometimes it would yeah, change for us. It would. Like, really? Yeah. Yeah, because for us, like there's times we're sitting and hanging out and we hear something like, oh, you know, so-and-so you're going to the, you know, major trauma or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, Ooh, what is that? And yeah. then we'll like put their code in, you know, and then it comes up with an address. And then I will call my station and talk to the Lieutenant. I'll be like, what is that job about? And then yeah. they'll, the Lieutenant will be like, Oh, it looks good. There's like three people yeah. laying on the ground and a car's flipped <laughs> yeah. over. And then we just start heading there, yeah. you know, yeah. well, but we can't see it. You should see yeah. when we, uh, when one person in our area gets called for a shooting, yeah. then you can you can hear the typing going on. They want to know where <laughs> it's at, you know, who's going, how many people got, you know, yeah. if it's if it's an if it's a fire, how many people are going? Are they still looking for people? If they're still yeah. looking for people for a multiple shooting, you punch it up and you know, they're somebody may say, Oh, they have five victims, and you punch up the, their run and they only have three ambulances on it. You'll be like, oh, I, I'm available if you, you know, yeah. I'm right there. Or yeah. what? Yeah. What we do is, uh, I'm on my way there. Put me on that ticket. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't even yeah. give them a choice. I'm just no, like, we don't need that ticket. Yeah, we're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll come over to radio. Like, yeah, it's not, put us on that one. Put us on with that yeah. unit, and then or we'll do, uh, you know, show us flagged. That's our big one. So if you want to just so get on the job, mean? it just means we're flagged down to, to take the job. So it was like oh. a shooting showed up yeah. and, and cops were like, yeah. Hey, you guys are here. Why not yeah. take this patient? So, it's like, we're just driving. Doesn't want to give it to you. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want to give it to you. You drive in that area and I'm like, Oh my God, they're flagging us down. It's like, show us flag. For that. <laughs> so That's something so. Uh, we do on our bike team. Cause we'll, uh, we'll patrol the downtown area, the beach area. And our bike team does all the special events. Okay. And one of the things we do is we listen to the police channel because in Chicago, every 911 call goes through the police first, and okay. then they'll disseminate it to us yeah. uh, as needed. So when we listen to them, if we hear the police, and it's something that we can bike to and we can make, yeah. a lot of times we'll be like, hey, we got a hand waiver. We're being flagged. And we could be blocks away, but right. we're hustling now because yeah. we're trying to make that run because it, it hasn't <laughs> gotten to the fireside yet. Okay. So nobody's been dispatched for it. Yes, no but, ambulances on yep. route yet. Right, yeah. because and because our bike team is so aggressive, it's a bunch of hard chargers. We're trying to jump that run. Yes, wow. we're trying to get there, and so yeah. uh, we're trying to get the run before CFD even gets it. Yeah. Huh. So yeah. no, we do the same thing. We listen to citywide police or that precinct and but stuff. Not and everyone does, you know. No, not everybody. So. Yeah. Mm. Well, I wish uh, we had a bike team. Uh, <laughs> chief cool. once told me when it comes to the radios, and this is a chief who told him, this has been handed down to me, but I think it's a great saying. Um, when it comes to having your radio on, he said, uh, you can't be in the game if you don't have the game on. And that's very he would true. Come, he would come at, and he would show up at work early and he would, first thing he would do is turn his radio on. And hmm. he asked, you know, my, my, my buddy uh, who was a, retired chief now said, yeah, you asked them, you know, what's with the radio all the time. He's like, you can't be in the game if you don't have the game on. That's and it resonated with him and he passed that on to me and now yeah. I'm giving it to New York. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You got, That's you have good. to man. Like, you know, and then the other thing like, we don't, I hate to say, we don't have any competition. So, cause everybody uses GPS and stuff. Yeah. So I can, I can destroy most of them. So <laughs> 
Well, that, that's, that's one of the skills for our, so the guys who drive the ambulances, those are called FPMs, fire paramedics. Oh yeah. Cause all right. So we'll get into that. Cause that's confusing. Okay. Too. You, you got a whole, you got a whole thing on that. All right. Well, uh, yeah, finish that. And then, yeah. Cause I have, mm-hmm. well, I'm trying um, to figure this out. We'll, when you're talking about competition, when it comes to like stealing shootings or stabbings or fires, the competition's scary. <laughs> you know, hmm. people are, and, and because they, you know, everybody wants to, to be involved in, in, we always mm-hmm. tell each other, Hey, I'll see you at the big one. Yep. Everybody yeah. wants to go to the big one. Right. Yep. And so there's a lot of uh, competition with runs like that. And mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's a great part of what we do and everybody yeah. should have that, you know, is there going to be the same competition for the abdominal pain <laughs> or the seizure yeah. on the third floor? Of course not. Hey, that's Probably your run, not. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's go, your run. Your go work. get them. Go, your go get them. <laughs> but that do you have any? Of... Uh, do you have any key moves that you do like to do? Uh, key what? Key moves that you use to steal people's uh, patients? Oh, to steal like good run. Yeah, I'll say that I'm. Uh, hey, put me on that. I'm down the block. <laughs> and as I'm saying that, my partner, especially when you start working, you know, with somebody for a long yeah. time, you already know. We're already doing a thousand miles an hour heading over that. Yeah. He knows that I'm going to say we're down the block. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of, we, we do have GPS in our rigs and some spares don't, weren't outfitted with them. So they, they can't see where we are, but even sometimes, because you start getting a reputation as, you know, guy who, uh, like a hard charger who wants to, to grab these runs. And even though you're bullshitting them basically on the radio they can look down and yeah. see that you're really not around the block yeah but you're but you're hustling yeah. and you could potentially beat beat that still company there they'll they'll leave you on it huh. you know yeah yeah i feel I like, like to I come mean, around the block i come around yeah the, that's if everybody's driving we're, we're right around way, the corner we'll go yeah. around the block and then i back down and everybody grabs like all their shit and we just like she grabs the bag and the stretch and i'll get the stretcher and she's already down the block and they're getting all their stuff and they're walking down. We already have the patient. We're running back to the truck. So, and then because we backed into the block, we can just yeah, pull away. Get, they're all blocked in. Well, for for runs where there's like a multiple shooting run or a bad accident on an expressway, we're always trying to get there because you don't want to be, you know, how we triage. You don't want to be the last ambulance to show up because you're going to get the person having the panic attack. Yeah. Right. Yep. If you're, if you're going to go through all that effort, you know, make yep. it worth your while. Like you yeah. want to, you want to be the one taking care of the, the person who needs the most help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that's kind of the motivation for, you know, the people who are with these busy companies. Yeah. yeah. Which is but, honestly yeah, exciting and, and like great for anyone who gets like traumatically injured in Chicago is that like there's going to be a unit there like quickly to get you in there. They want to help you, you know, aggressively. <laughs> so, you know. we, you know, we have, and I think the way things are right now, it's kind of beating some of that um, excitement out of them hmm. just because they're overworked right now. Everybody hmm. is. Um, and, the, the worst part about what we're going through um, is there doesn't seem to be any solution or any 
any light at the end of the tunnel right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, we're trying the fire department. And I know, cause they were in the same building as we were at training and they're doing the best that they can to get these guys back to work. Yeah. Um, you know, with COVID symptoms or whatever, they are working their asses off to, to try to bolster back up the manpower, but has many that they're returning, uh, the same amount, if not more are getting sick again. So it yeah. is a vicious circle with us right now. And I don't know if it's yeah. like that with you guys. Yeah. We had yeah. that maybe two, two weeks ago. Two weeks I feel like in December around the holidays is when it was for us, where it was like, you know, half the station would be out for these two weeks or whatever, 10 days. And then we'd all come back in and the, the second half of the station would be going yeah. out. So it was like, I had COVID. And then as soon as I came back, it was like, I was working a whole weekend where it was like, I just got mandated like to stay each shift, you know, did you when you had COVID, did you get really bad? Were you really sick? Uh, not with this one. No, okay. this one, That's I had not- like two days of being sick. Really? I, I don't know what I got, but I lost my sense of smell. I oh. was a mess for two weeks, like as sick as I've ever been. Like I was very concerned for my health and well-being. And wow. I'm a, I'm a healthy person. Yeah, I have zero comorbidities. Yeah. I work out. I, you know, I, I'm I eat relatively healthy, but I was as sick as I've ever been. Huh. And here's the kicker my PCR and my rapid test negative. both came back negative. Get out of here. And yeah. I, I couldn't get off the couch. I, I would go to try to take a shower and I would come close to passing out to the point yeah. where I have to like jump out of shower, lay down on the floor. Oh I God. was, I was super sick and I would, you know, two weeks of being sick. And then a week after that, just, I was able to, to function, yeah. but I was still mm. like, felt like crap. When so, was this, Vince? This was right before Christmas. Wow. Yeah. So I, that's yeah. why, and that, those exact symptoms that I told you, a lot of people that I ran into down at medical uh, had the exact same thing. Yeah. Mm. Either yeah. you had, neither you had nothing like Julie or you were on your deathbed like me. That's scary. Cause yeah. I know when I, I had COVID the previous October, um, and I felt pretty sick for about, you know, 10 days or so I, I felt crummy and fatigued and nauseous. I had a headache, but I had been sick previously when COVID the first, first happened. COVID. Yeah. That- and it was like, I lost 10 pounds. I, I was dragging myself to the bathroom. Like I really, like he came and gave me fluids because I, I was like, yeah. my tongue was like furrowed, you know, I was like so dehydrated. Yeah. Somebody and- put a line on me too. Yeah. But I didn't have COVID. Like I, I got tested. Then I got tested for antibodies. I didn't have them. Um, but the one in October, you know, it was COVID. I tested positive. And then this, this go around in December, you know, over a year later, I was okay. Like I had two days of like fever and feeling crummy. And then that was it. I was like back in it, you know, but that's very scary. Like, especially the loss of smell and stuff. That's like such a a COVID. you have to get it seen by, you have to get a doctor's note to come back saying that, you know, uh, now with the fire department, you have to exceed the, you have to get past those 10 days 
I think they've knocked it down to five now. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like they keep they keep changing the yeah. the narrative of how this virus works. So I think we're down. They down have to, to because days. nobody's going to be stuck to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. If right, well, that but isn't that interesting though that they it was ten days before and that was like that's it you have but now it's they cut it down in half not because the virus is any less you know dangerous it's because we need people back out on the street yeah yeah so the motivation to change it isn't based on medical evidence it's based (laughs) on personnel need yep yeah so you know so it we're we're in some crazy times and i hope that we'll go back when all three of us are retired and we'll be like hey i worked during the covid days (laughs) right that's covid years you know and that's it's it's definitely a milestone in ems right yeah Mm -hmm. i i see that i mean i feel like we've talked about this pete and i like it's it's going to be a pretty wild thing like later in life to have to i mean for any of us right for any of us here um you know to have lived through covid right there's going to be kids who remember like not being in school like there's going to be people who work from home for 2 years but for us it's you know it's like anyone in healthcare i think the covid years are going to be a pretty kind of like crazy time to look back on and hopefully we're looking back yeah. on it and it sort of goes away at some point you know like but well you want to um, hear something funny i when covid first came out in chicago uh, they, I got, uh, I didn't get assigned. Um, I worked the COVID rig and I only responded to COVID symptoms. And well, yeah. I remember you said this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. So I, I think I worked on that rig for three months. Yeah. Never got tested, never mm-hmm. got sick, never even had a sniffle. Hmm. I go to the Academy a month into the academy, I'm sick as a dog. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I, I haven't seen a patient, you know, in about two months since I've been down. Yeah. I, 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 lost, <laughs> I, I basically get COVID. It's My crazy. doctor said, like, no matter what your test says, you have COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, Maybe wow. your immunity is just changing, you know? It's like, funny because a lot of places had COVID trucks, you know, like we heard that and they would tell us, oh yeah, we got a COVID unit. And we're like, yeah, we're switching gowns, doing a Lysol shower, and it's like, get back out there. But so, I'm, yeah, I'm we, kind we of shocked at Chicago. That runs. Yeah, no? Chicago's so busy. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, I yeah, felt I like the COVID had, trucks. We had th- two south and two north. Okay. I believe a day. And um, like I said, uh, they outfitted our rig with all kinds. We had the Pappers which is Ooh. like a completely encapsulated yeah. air, where a backpack with the filtrated air never, never took it out. Of course. No. <laughs> um, but you know what we did do? We went to the dollar store. We bought a see-through shower curtain uh-huh. and we put that across. So in the captain's seat, it's right in front of me. Huh. And it would have the wires to our monitor go through I would come in one door, the patient would come in the other door and they would put the blood pressure cuff on and from behind, you know, so there was a barrier between me and the patient because we were getting sick patients and we, we had a very, we had very little understanding of this virus at that time. And we were trying to take every precaution that we could. And we would vital them. We would actually monitor them on the 
on our pulse ox and monitor the whole way to the hospital. They got yeah. amazing care, but mm -hmm. we were hyper vigilant about the the um you know yeah, the transmission and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. So they and where our exhaust fan for inside our ambulance is actually on the side with the patient. So it's the me, the curtain, the patient, and then the exhaust fan. Yeah. So we were really doing a pretty good job with um, how we uh, distance, you know, we're protecting ourselves from this virus as best we could. Yeah. But, um, but like I said, uh, by the end of the detail, we were just putting on hospital masks. I, I think <laughs> we were, I think we were pretty much in N95s the whole time. And that was yeah. pretty much the extent of our, our PPA by the end of the detail. And it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. It, it's so hard to carry somebody down the stairs or do CPR with that N95 on. Oh my God. It, it was, it was just a rough go to yep. respond every single run like that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the that, N95, however, it was horrible. I remember we had air. a temple carry down. So we're like, and the guy had COVID and it was so bad. Like we couldn't breathe. I was like, I'm taking it off. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's and I wear glasses. So like literally the second I breathe through them or through an N95, these just completely fog up and then I can't see anything, you know? So I'm like trying to take care of a patient. Either I'm blind when I'm doing it because I'm taking these off or I just have foggy glasses and I can't actually see anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, we had no face shields or anything yeah. like that. You know, it was just uh, so, but, you know, I mean, hopefully this will... The virus seems to be getting more catchy, but it's like getting less harsh, I guess. I don't know, or less yeah. deadly. Yeah. I don't know. Well, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We? I know. We'll see. <laughs> I was the guy. Yeah, I was the guy telling people they'll never close down schools. This will never happen. <laughs> then they close the show. Hey, like, oh boy. Were you guys at that big fire? No. No, in the no, Bronx. That was. No. Yeah, we worked the night before, and that was like eleven o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. That was so. pretty horrific, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. You know, we yeah. don't usually, I mean, fires, not, I don't want to say that never happens, but in New York these days, it's not like that bad anymore. You know what I mean? Like the way buildings are built, um, you know, I mean, I've been to, like we had a five alarm fire a couple winters ago and it was like in a warehouse. So, you know, it kept going because it was just like all cheap little goods in this warehouse that just like, stayed lit on fire but there were no patients you know it was like the middle of the night nothing you know nobody was there but this yeah I mean, that this seems like a like, perfect storm of, yeah, yeah terrible uh, yeah that that that, that was and then the, like philadelphia had one so he had it right before right before right yeah yeah, yeah. he had a kid that lit the, he lit the tree on fire yeah and stuff i feel like the winter always gets these horrible fires you know yeah. like space heaters christmas trees that are dried out you know there's a lot of dangerous stuff in the winter more so than the, the summer, bronx right? always has weird stuff going on anyway so that's <laughs> is, is the bronx like is that the busiest borough in for you guys uh i think it's between us and it's between brooklyn and the bronx so yeah. but yeah. you could argue with them over like you know who's busier so <laughs> it's it's a different clientele you know yeah so um, but it is a busy, a real yeah, busy. Part. They're both busy. It's yeah. you know the thing that slows us down. The biggest, the, the biggest thing that slows us down and keeps ambulances from getting back out there is the triage system. So our triage system is is horrible and stuff. So you can have 
10 or 15 units backed up during the day. So, oh man, really? Yeah. That's yeah. I do feel like that, especially because we have such, we're, we're, you know, already below the level of ambulances, right. That you're supposed to have in the city. I think that's the unfortunate thing. I know we, when we went to Detroit, it was like shockingly efficient. Um, yeah. You know, and that was the crazy, you know, we're in Detroit and their triage system was amazing. You know, there was, now, when you guys just, are saying triage, is triage system on, on how they send ambulances out? No, no, no. So no, triage, when you get the to the hospital. And oh, the hospitals receive yeah. us. So like the turnover at the hospital and stuff. So there's really no triage in place unless you have a critically injured or ill patient who you're giving a notification before you even get there. Those people are treated, you know, um, expeditiously because like you already told them, Hey, we we're doing CPR. Or, hey, we're bagging mm -hmm. this guy. If, but if like you everyone guys have else, a guy with a itchy belly button, you got to sit there with them until yes, he gets, even if your patient has chest care. pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even if, you know, your patient nobody gets a wheelchair. Pain. It's a rarity to get a wheelchair. Wow. And stuff. Like, in bed. E even, even if you walk somebody in, I'll say eight out of 10 times, they're going to get a bed. Yeah. Wow. Well, and What's it? I mean, for you guys, what is, uh, do you feel like the triage system, like, or the receiving system is pretty good or it's streamlined or? It, it is, well, we have a, I, I don't know if it's a regional thing, but a lot of people can go just out into the waiting room and be seen by triage when they're called. Um, some of the busier areas that you work in, you'll give the report to the nurse and they'll be like, put them out here, you know, have them fill out this form mm. and then they'll, they'll call them based on triage. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have somebody who is sick, you would, you should have a pretty good working relationship with the, the people at these hospitals by now. If you go in and be like, Hey, this guy probably should go back. They'll accommodate you. Or we just, these hospitals just don't have any more beds in the ER anymore. Mm -hmm. That's there's just nowhere to put them. You know, yeah. um, they're not allowed by um, their like national standards of putting beds in hallways and stuff like that. They're not supposed to be doing that, but I'm sure you guys see it a lot more than we do. There's hallways that are just lined up with beds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Where a person can barely slide yeah. past sideways in yeah. some of yeah. these hallways um, they're doubled up. They're just every hospital is is filled to capacity. Yeah. And when there's nowhere to go, you have to sit there until they literally discharge somebody, you know, like hot racking it. They're coming out, you're going in. You yeah. know, they'll say, Hey, you guys are gonna go to 23 as soon as he walks out. Oh yeah. my and, god. You know, wow. it, it that's just the 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 state of EMS that we're at right now. It's crazy. And, However, yeah. this the same as we feel and inundated the ERs are the in the exact same boat. Yeah. Yeah. I like how they say, do they ask you why did you bring them here? All, all the time. <laughs> like why and why I, do you ask this? Right. You know, and my answer is like I didn't want to bring them here. I know. <laughs> I tried to talk them out of it. You know, <laughs> right. this is out of my hands. Do you think do you think this is my idea? Mm -hmm. <laughs> God. Hmm. Like where take time at all? My house, yeah. you know. You know, do your people actually take Tylenol or do they have to go to the ER for the doctor to tell them to take the Tylenol? If we bring somebody in who needs Tylenol, they have to be seen by at least a nurse in it's order to take that Tylenol. Like we'll have people and 
they'll have a headache and you're like, did you take Tylenol? You know, my back hurts. And they're like, no, I didn't, I, I didn't take Tylenol. Do you have any yet? Well, I didn't know if I should take it. Like, yeah, that doesn't figure out. That doesn't figure in the equation. No, that, that, I don't. That's why we have jobs, Pete. Yeah. I know. We'll never be out of work. You know, I mean, that's, we'll that's never be out of work. Yep. <laughs> so what made you want to go up to the Academy then? I, I was at the Academy before and I enjoy the teaching. I enjoy the, um, you know, there's a whole, there, there's a whole, the way it works out and the way it plays out between the candidates and the instructors, um, the candidates show up and, you know, day one, it's very paramilitary. It's the instructors are disciplinarians and you evolve from there. And I really enjoy the part where you get to the point where, and I'm not an instructor who does much yelling. I'm more like, our job here is to educate them. You know, that's what we're doing here. But you have to make sure that you have that captive audience because some of the, neither it's going to be disruptive to the other people who are, who need to learn, who are willing to learn and who want to learn. Um, and you still have your job to do. And I went down there because I had a good experience when I was a candidate and I went down and I thought that I would enjoy the process of making the person off the street um, a better candidate as they move through the process. I enjoy that, that transformation of civilian to candidate to, you know, uh, crossing the stage. And when you see the candidate that you've invested all that time with cross the stage in his class A uniform, and you know that he's going to go out there with the knowledge that um, you provided and uh, really help to foster um, a good EMT or a good paramedic. That's an it's a amazing feeling. And yeah. that's what keeps me going down there. I mean, I, I think that's great. That's cool. Like, it's a, a great reason to go up there. You know, like you, you like EMS, you love EMS, you know, it's your career. You want to make, um, make that be someone else's experience you know yeah and and for me um and with chicago there's there's not too much opportunity to do other things on my department and so just has a change of pace mm -hmm. and to and like i said for me i think everybody who's going to stay on the ems side should go down in some capacity and teach because it makes you a better paramedic as well. When I go back to the street, I don't think anybody should ever stay down at training and make training their career mm. because at some point you're going to be out of touch with what's really going on on the street. And I think everybody should at least go down there just to make themselves a better paramedic. You ever heard the term, um, do it, teach it. Um, and that, that's kind of how I feel about, yeah. uh, going down there as an instructor teaching. It keeps me up on my skills. Yeah. It keeps me up on, uh, like what's new in EMS. And I don't ever want to get stagnant in my, um, education as a paramedic. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good answer. I like that. <laughs> how but do it's you guys, true. How, know, does, like, how do they get, how do you guys get your instructors down at the Academy? You apply, but you apply. So yeah, there's you have like to a constant apply. application open. And well, then, it's, it's like, I think once it, a yeah. year they do the admission um, thing, maybe in October they hire or they look to hire people apply. You have to come down to the Academy, take a, a practical exam, like a skills exam and a regular written exam. And you have to get a certain, um, it's an 80, at least an 80, something like that. Yeah. You guys feel it's, um, they choose people based, like it's about who, you know, down there, or is it straight, mm -hmm. straight up across the board? Uh, they, they a little want bit of best. both, probably a little yeah. bit of both. A bit of both. So, but, it, but apparently from what folks... we hear, if you're good, you don't get out. So yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I can't feel like, you know, like you're, it, you're voted on that Island forever. There are people <laughs> who want to stay up there and go up there in my opinion, a little early on in their career and then kind of just stay up there. Um, so I, I think they are required or they used to be required to do like, you know, a tour out in the field or something once a, once a month, but I'm not sure how that works nowadays because of the 12 hour tours outside and they're eight hours or eight and a half inside. But um, yeah, I mean like the great instructors, like people got like tons of street experience, tons of just like, medical knowledge um, experience when they go up there that's that's what ends up happening is like people really love them and they're great and you know they'll kind of like say okay i'm gonna go back to the streets now and like they're like oh we can't lose you you know like you're the you know you're the lead instructor for this one so well i i I've, and i say this because i've seen it not everybody with a lot of time on is should be passing on their knowledge. Um, I, I mean, uh, you guys. Yeah, not everybody's I mean, a good I, teacher. I know that you. Yeah, I know you that know? you guys know the same people. It's not a knock on them. Yeah. Some people just aren't teachers, yeah. and there are some people who have a lot of time on that have just fallen into bad ways or bad habits. And if we want to keep moving EMS forward and keep putting out a good product for the citizens in which you work for, you have to keep being on that cutting edge of, you know, having the compassion, the education and the, the dedication to do the job. It's, um, and that's not always, it, I find that is most abundant in the paramedics right around that that five-year mark mm. you know they're mm. still gung-ho yeah. they still love being busy they haven't reached that point where they're completely burnt out and they're still that love of the job yeah um but you know and i think that that doesn't that's not just for ems that that probably is the same with every other job out there you know yeah. Yeah, because you got to switch it up, you know? Yeah. You need something different every now and then. So. And, and, and I think it's, it's weird saying that because every run we go on is different, but yeah. every run we go on is a lot the same. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. we seem to go to like the same, if you really think about it, you go to the same streets all the time. Yeah. There's a few streets you always go to, you know? Yeah. But it's, you know, so. it's also, it's just that's the job. And even though I love that the job is not every day is the same. I think that's what keeps it like stimulating and fun. 
but I guess there comes a point where you're just tired. You know, maybe you're tired, like you like the job, but you're like, oof, you know, I, I, I've been carrying people up and down the stairs or, you know, I don't know if I want to do this right now. I think taking a break from that, maybe to, if you want to teach, if you're good at that, or you're still interested, because I feel like the sad thing is this job and not just here, but like EMS in general wants to like, you know, squeeze blood from a rock. Like they, they really will work you until, you know, you're incapable of doing anything further. And then they'll still ask for, you know, a couple more hours or something. Um, yeah. And or they'll throw you away and you get thrown away after. It's like, all yeah. right, see you later. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's sad, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, on uh, our podcast, we had a guy that had 37 years on the job. Wow. This, he was all in. He was a firefighter. Great guy. And he got... He got hurt at a fire. Mm. He uh, had a wall fall on him um, during a fire. Uh, hurt his his um, his hamstring basically came disconnected, like detached. Yeah, and he they wouldn't let him back medically, and it's like um, thirty seven years was just worth nothing. That yeah. that's how that's how he felt, and that's how he took it. I had been trying to get this guy on the podcast for two years. When we first wow. started, I was like, this guy is somebody I definitely want to get on. And I've been working on him, working on him. And it wasn't until he finally agreed to come on last week yeah. uh, that we recorded that he was like, you know, Vince, I wasn't in a good spot to talk about it because I felt like I was done at this service. I really had a bad taste in my mouth, you know, and now he's come to terms with it. And I don't know if you guys have have had this feedback from your podcast, but we get a lot of guys who come on ours and after it's all said and done, I'll get a text or I'll get a phone call after and they'll say, you know, I really needed that. Hmm. Uh, I, I feel so much better that I got that off my chest or I, I, that's the first time I was able to talk about it. And, um, you know, they're thanking me and I was like, I'm like, I'm the one thanking you guys. You guys went out of your way Mm -hmm. to come on my silly podcast and have a glass of whiskey with us. Yeah. You don't, you don't Mm -hmm. have to thank me. I know. You know, that's yeah. I, I wish. And that's the thing, like our supervisor, his wife, she just retired and stuff. So like she messed up her back and she's pretty salty about, you know, everything that happened to her, you know, through her time, our other lieutenant, her husband, he went through like a million things to get retired medically, you know? And then, you know, some guys on the fire side, it's super easy. It's like, all right, you know, you're good. But it's like, everybody gets done differently in different services, you know? And not everyone wants to talk about you because it's, I don't know, they're just so salty over it. It's, it's a sad feeling when you gave your life, your career. Yeah. Yeah, your yeah. career to something that you loved at the time yeah. um and then at the end of it you just feel like oh wow i thought i made a difference or i thought i was something here you know my dad was a firefighter for 32 years he would have stayed on until he had to retire and he had a stroke down at ground zero and um it took many years for him to be able to retire three quarters they they you know they kind of were like oh that's not related to 9 11 or whatever um and I think 
he was really hurt, but he didn't really talk about it. You know, my dad was kind of old school, but my mom did. And she was very upset because it was like, this was my dad's life, you know, like being a firefighter. Um, and then to leave and feel like you didn't mean anything, you know, like they, right. Well, what people need to realize with first responders across the board is after 37 years, think about how many birthdays you've missed, how many graduations, how many, you know, how much for us, we're, we're losing, a, you know, we're losing every fourth day, uh, to the department. So that adds up after 37 years, how much of your life have you given and how much have you sacrificed in your personal life? Um, You don't get to see your kids grow up in that chronological order, you know, and there's a lot of times that you miss for me. Like I think about it all the time because I didn't get to the times where I would have loved to tuck my son in, you know, give him a kiss good night or watch him take his first step or go to the park. You know, you're sacrificing yeah. these things that you're not even realizing until much later that you sacrificed. Yeah. And when the, it, you're coming to the end of your career, I could see now after it's been put in perspective to me by people who have gone through this process that it, I'm able to see it from that side now that, all the sacrifices that you made now you're realizing them, especially if you feel like you've been done wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So does that make you take less overtime now? And this is why you have your podcast for me when I, I don't really take voluntarily. I don't take overtime unless it's um, for our bike team. Yeah. Just because when I'm in a busy, uh, I'm assigned to a busy, um, firehouse. Okay. And when you get rehired, you go right back to busy. You never get rehired to a slow ambulance. Yeah. It, they, it's always <laughs> rehired back to the busiest parts of the city, the busiest yeah. ambulances. And for me, I have other things that I want to do. And the last place I want to be on my day off is right back out there yep. that I fought that 24 hours to get out of. It's mm-hmm. not about the money for me. Yep. It's, a, it's about my, my quality time and my quality of life. And for that 24 hours, I'm all in. You guys are, that's my job. The citizens of Chicago are getting me at, at, as best as I can be for this 24 hours. But when I'm done, I'd rather be with my son. I'd rather be at the, the gym we own. I'd rather be doing podcasts with amazing people. And I just have other things that I'd rather be doing that I'd rather in, be enjoying yeah. than um, doing EMS. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's a good way of putting it. It's, you know, I feel like... Um, when I was younger, like, and I got mandated for overtime, I mean, I didn't really have much of a choice and I didn't like love it, but I stayed or I did overtime because that's what you did. But yeah, it's different now. Like now that I'm older, now that I have very little time to myself in the first place, um, when I I don't want to be at work, (laughs) I don't want to be at work. I I really don't. I I have too much other stuff going on. Like, you know, I, 
like I don't get to be with my son for Christmas or something, you know, and it's fine. I certainly wouldn't volunteer to come in on a day like that. Um, or, you know, or basically it's my last day on and I, I, I'm going to be with my child later. And then, you know, they're like, well, you're gonna have to stay an extra four hours. And, and I hate to say it, but I'm like, well, no, I'm not, I'm just leaving now and I'll take the paperwork for it, but, uh, I'm not staying. So that's what it is, you know? And it's, it's kind of a bummer to feel like that, but I also have realized like 15 years into this, that like, I'm not going to get like that couple of dollars or the couple of hours I put into comp time doesn't equal what I lose, you know? Yeah. I agree. 100. That's why I don't do it. Yeah. Uh, if, if I didn't have anything else going on in my life or I was really needing the money, then that's one thing, but you know, my quality of time and my quality of life at this point in my life where I'm at right now, that's way more important to me. Yeah. If I get mandatory, I just say, all right, boss, where am I going? You know? Oh, I'm going here. Okay. Yeah. And that's it. You know, it's, it's called mandatory for a reason. Yeah. (laughs) So if you work on another ambulance, how is that? How do they treat you over there? They all, I mean, uh, because I work, where I'm going to be rehired in that same area. Most of the people know me. I work with most of the same guys and they all know that you're there on a rehire. So one of the things that we do when you get rehired, when you go to pay the cook, you give the cook extra money because you're making extra money Um. and you kick in. And when we had, we had a, what was this? Maybe two years ago, all the engineers and all the captains and lieutenants were getting rehired every day. So no matter where, what firehouse you went to, the cook was always having extra money. Yeah. So I was getting so, and this is like, so weird even hearing it come out of my mouth, but I was so sick of eating steak and lobster every day at the firehouse. (laughs) Right. I'm like, I can't believe I'm complaining about this, but I've had, you know, because these guys take all the extra money. They're like, Oh man, we're having steak tonight. You know, that yeah. the captain's on right. overtime, you know, the matter. So, um, it's that that's kind of a tradition here. And I don't know you guys have it where, uh, Saturdays are, um, uh, we have uh, corned beef and Sundays we have pizza. See, I would love it's to say, free for all. yeah, it's because it's, 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 it's traditional because we've had, the uh, like it was almost all irish the fire department Mm, back in the early days of the fire department yeah and you know that was just the way it was so and i'm a huge fan of corned beef and so uh, i I love corned beef and i'd love to eat it but we (laughs) there's a few there's probably a few ems stations in the city that do cook um but for the vast majority of us we don't have time like there's some people like on sundays at our station uh during the day tour they'll cook and so the day tour kind of eats, but for us at, at night, it's like pretty rare. Yeah. Because... I keep forgetting that you guys have a different dynamic. Like yeah. we're physically in our firehouse and one of the firemen is always assigned to cook that day. Mm-hmm. So when wow. you come in, it's like right now it's $20. Everybody puts, gives the cook $20 and he shops for the day. You'll have lunch and then you'll have dinner oh and gosh. you know, and he'll have snacks for you to have throughout the day. But uh, hmm. the medics never cook because if we cooked, you'd never have a meal, Yeah. but we'll, we'll try to work our way back to the firehouse. And 
uh, the good houses will have your meal because chances are you're not going to be there to eat it with them, but yeah. they'll, they'll put it, they'll make you a plate. And there's always a spot on top of the stove where all the plates are for that they prepare for you. So they'll, wow. You know, that's very nice yeah yeah that would be nice like once in a while like we'll have like a waffle wednesday or something but we haven't it's just been so busy that you know we can't yeah, get back to the station we, we do 24s so it's it's different because at the end of our shift we can't go home and, and eat we're there for the entire day mm-hmm. yeah so i could see where you guys were just like oh we're here for 16 hours so i'll get i'll just you know yeah. grab yeah. something you guys eat we'll out a lot then huh well, you yeah. have to, it depends. Or you because, bring food. Yeah, you got to try to, like lately you've had to bring food because you can't get to the place that you want to eat at. You guys are that and, busy, huh? Yeah. yeah. So, like the, even getting a cup of coffee, I feel like we'll be standing in the coffee shop and then we get another job. And it's like, we did a shift like a few weeks ago where it was like 10 hours before we got to eat anything yeah. or, or have coffee or anything. Yeah. Because you can't even, if something's going to take five minutes to throw together in a restaurant, that five minutes might be like too long for us to actually get the food, you know? Well, you know what? It was getting so bad out by us that our chiefs were coming out being like, Hey, let me know if you haven't had lunch, if you haven't eaten, if it's like eight o'clock at night and you haven't had lunch or dinner yet, let me know. And they'll put you under like special duty to run back to the firehouse, grab your food. Um, just, Mm. just, you know, and, and that, that's really uh, like a, the good bosses do that because it's yeah. the good bosses looking out for their crew. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times a crew is like, now we're good. Maybe they'll grab something or they'll, they won't put themselves in service. They'll just run to the firehouse, grab their food. When they grab their food, they'll hit the button, put them yeah. in service. So at least um, they're able to eat. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You know, you have a, if your boss is, has their finger on the pulse of what you guys are doing out there they'll send you a message be like hey have you guys eaten yet and mm-hmm. based on your response neither they'll be like go to the firehouse i'm going to put you out of service to you text wow. me when you've eaten that's nice you know? yeah. yeah now so and it's it's tough because <laughs> if you go to certain areas there's no food it's like you know at night it's bodega food and stuff and it's not always you know, it's, I don't know, we're picky. We eat at the same places because we know the food's going to be the same every time. Yeah. So, well, some of those bodegas make nice sandwiches, don't they? You make yes. very nice sandwiches. There's like one that we love the guy who makes our sandwich. And if he's yeah. not in there, then we're like, oh, yeah, we'll just turn around. around. Like, oh, we got a call. <laughs> right. we, we slow roll by. I'm like, oh, look, he's cooking. All right. We'll go I, there. I watch, I watch this thing where the, the guy makes these amazing sandwiches. He's like, you can't forget the Bev. Oh, that guy. Yeah. He's, I think he's you know in the who Bronx that guy is? or something. I've yeah. seen him. I want to go try it. I, I'm yeah. looking, I, I get so hungry watching this guy make sandwiches. Can't yeah. forget the Bev. Yeah. But I don't know how you can eat some of those. I showed you that the other day. You remember that guy? Yeah. And those are huge, right? Like they're huge. Yeah. He made like some giant thing. It was, oh, they're it was like they a look pizza. so good, though. Mm. So yeah. Good. Yeah. I'll tell you, chopped cheese will come right out of you like venom <laughs> and fire quick. I think that's just because you have a sensitivity to beef that you are no, unwilling to recognize peter no, i highly doubt that no it's it's the well, you, you guys were asking me about uh our terminology that we use specific to chicago like our fpm and yes like all right so so you have an ambulance company right it's an ambulance company yeah and there's how many guys are so assigned? there's only two two oh, assigned yeah so, so we have the whole unit for we one have unit four, we have um four shifts 
Okay. And two guys a shift. Okay, so it's eight people. So, so eight, so eight guys assigned to that apparatus. Okay. And we have one commander who's in charge of everything regarding the ambulance's well-being and his personnel. Okay. And then you have for each shift, you neither have that com- that commander is going to be on one shift. There's always the the commander shift, and then the other shifts you're going to have an officer, which is the PIC, the paramedic in charge, and okay. he'll sit shotgun to the FPM who drives. So the FPM is the, the most junior guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I say that as far as rank structure, but we have FPMs who've had, who have 30 years on the job. Oh, they, wow. just, they don't want to take promotion. They're comfortable where they are. Yeah. And, you know, God bless them. What do they do? Like, what's the difference between a paramedic in charge and the FPM? And the FPM. Uh, it, so by the letter of the law, the PIC is responsible for the documentation and then how the division of labor in the back of the ambulances, the officer will sit in that jump seat at the head okay. of the bed. And his responsibility is more of airway and if like you have a fire company back there or you need um, manpower for whatever reason, he's usually the quarterback. Okay. And he'll, he'll kind of run the show from, from, from that particular spot in the ambulance. Okay. Um, the FPM uh, technically is supposed to, he's responsible for treatment. Um, okay. Like starting IVs, taking the vitals, um, you know, whatever. For me and my partner, those lines are purposely blurred because if I do all the intubations, how is he ever going to get good? Okay. You know, all right. that's what I was wondering. Learn stuff. Okay. So I, we dev, and if he does all the IVs, when it comes time for, I'm, I might need to start an IV. How am I ever, you know, you, yeah, that's a diminishing skill if you don't use it. And so we do, uh, I, I do a lot of IVs just so that I can keep my skills up. And I, and if I jump in, like, let's say we have a bad shooting and we just, the fire company throws them back there and we jump in and whatever he winds up at the head of the bed. I have all the confidence in the world. He knows exactly my expectations for him there. And I'm not going to micromanage him. Uh, if he's grabbing an ET tube um, or an eye gel, I know what he's doing. And he doesn't have to worry because from where I'm at, I'm going to do the IO and I know how to, I know every aspect of his job and he knows every aspect of my job. So I don't have to stop and be like, Hey, how do you do this? Or where's this? And same with him. If we are 100% interchangeable and he can, he can work the, he can write a report as well. Yeah. And you know, I can drive to the hospital and I can park and I can do everything. I, I so we we structure it that way on purpose, and it I'm, it has paid off now because I'm down at the academy, and my partner, who's the FPM, they um, what we call they're acting him up. So as an FPM, he's taking the the responsibilities of a PIC. So he's moving over, and an even junior person to him will drive mm-hmm. him. And he'll take the role of the PIC as an FPM. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was always wondering, like, what if you get tired of driving? 
You know, like if he gets tired of driving, he'll he'll just be like, hey, you know, can you drive for a little bit? I'll be like, yeah, no problem. Oh, okay. Because the way I understood it is like, you know, the 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 fire paramedic, like he never texts, you know, and then you know the guy in the officer seat, he never drives. So I don't. I I always dabble in the worst case scenario, and I don't want to be in a position where I don't know how to drive that ambulance. Yeah. I don't ever want to be in a position where he doesn't know how to do an airway. Yeah. So we really do spend, and I always made sure that he was well-versed on the documentation side and how to use our tablet and how to do that. And like I said, it's paid off now because they've been acting him up since I've been down at the Academy. So he was able to come out running when they gave him the nod to, Hey, I need you to act up. We're short. So Mm -hmm. he's been a really good resource resource for our district. That's cool. And then the ambulance commander is like a Lieutenant's position, I guess. Something like that. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay. All right. And they work on like the scheduling and who's working and no, we, we all are assigned to a shift. Okay. We only work our shift unless we, you know, we will make a trade or we get, um, mandatory or run or, you know, uh, we'll take, uh, the overtime, okay. but, um, we're assigned to that ambulance on that particular shift. Okay. So there's, there's no, and we have a whole department, uh, called manpower that if we're taking a rehire, they'll tell us, you know, where we're going to go. If you mm. make a trade with somebody you're, you're supposed, if you trade, if like, if I traded with Julie, she should be coming to my ambulance and I should be going to her ambulance. Okay. Oh, wow. So, um, does it get messed up every now and then? Yeah, absolutely. But okay. for the most part, that's, that's how it's structured when you make a trade. Cause you're agreeing to that trade based on certain parameters. What do you think? What do you guys think the biggest parameter for us is when we agree to a trade? Who you're working with, who you're working with. Yeah. 100%, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Before I agree to that trade, I'll be like, Hey, who's working that day? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, he's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, man. I'm down. Yeah. You know, yep. Yeah. I don't care. I don't, it, I don't care if it's busy or slow. Yeah. As long as you have a good have party. A good somebody yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, yeah. that makes yeah. the day. I'll, I'll do a hundred runs if I'm having a great time, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all these shootings, is it as crazy in Chicago as the news portrays it? I think it's worse. The news really? doesn't cut co- the news doesn't cover mm. for you. What it takes for you guys to hear about a shooting in Chicago. Mm-hmm. We've had, We've had mass shootings in Chicago where we've had eight people shot and it's never even made the local news sometimes. Wow. Jesus, that's crazy. So you, but you'll hear about how bad the violence is, but and it's just my opinion that they down, they're really downplay yeah. the, the violence mm-hmm. here and hmm. understandably so, you know, it, 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 who wants to go? Yeah, the tourism yeah. suffers if uh, and you, you know. and you guys have to live in the city too, right? We do. Yeah, we have to live within the city limits. So where's it safe? Well, there are like uh, areas in the city that have been like carved out where it's all like city workers, okay. police, fire, public works, whatever, and. Uh, because of that, it's super expensive to live. 
Yeah. Because every it's such sought after because the good schools are there. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it crime theoretically is down in those neighborhoods, but um, you we have one of those neighborhoods north, and we have one of those neighborhoods south, and you know, if 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 you live in those neighborhoods, you go to the where everybody else lives. You know. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's and uh, and you guys have two. All right. So one other thing is, what is a still and box? Right. Uh, so yeah. what's, what's a still alarm? We'll start with that. A still alarm is just um, a a call for. It could be like a call for smoke. Okay. Or a call that you know that there's fire, but it hasn't been like confirmed. We don't really okay. know. Um, uh, it, it, it could potentially be a fire when you still unbox it, you're calling for other resources based on what you see there. Like it's a confirmed fire or they may automatically box it on the way there. If you're getting multiple calls that okay. there's, there's flames blowing out the windows here, then they, you may automatically go to a box alarm. So it's just the, from the still is like phase one of okay. the fire still in boxes. Hey, this is a legit, um, okay. we need the extra resources for a box alarm. And your still district will be like your first due area, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And Those you have are the geographic uh, areas where that particular engine or a truck would respond to that, that area belongs to them. Okay. And then you have Englewood and Maine. Same I, thing? I don't know how, I don't know how they came up with the terminology, but a street called Cermak, which splits the city in half, basically, okay. is like the dividing line for um, if you're all the companies south of there. Um, and it, it, like I said, it's, it's those lines get blurred when you get around by Cermak. Okay. Um, but for the most part, all your companies that operate and that are housed south of there will use the Inglewood channel. Okay. And all the companies north of there are on the main channel. Okay. So it would be like uh, 33 to Maine or 14 to Inglewood. That's okay. that's who you would be. Um, so that's the dispatch. With. Yeah. All right. And then let's see. Are these all um, things that uh, Ed Joseph had told you? No, I, I heard it on your podcast. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, did. Thanks yeah, for listening, so Pete. I do. Yeah, that's in Backdraft. I learned everything from Chicago from Backdraft. Yeah. So, did you watch Backdraft too? It was I, it was the oh worst god. thing I've ever seen. Oh my god. How could how could they do that? It's like It was in I, Canada I too. Like they, they filmed it in Canada. Was it can I thought they filmed it in some like like Romania or some of yeah, no, it was Canada. Like, it was Toronto. Pakistan or something. Oh, it was, it was terrible. It was so worse. <laughs> she makes fun of me because like I watch these shows and I'm like, that gear's not right. The helmet's yeah. not right. Like that, I can't. It's just that shit drives gets, me nuts. But he doesn't do it like, you know, where like someone might be like, oh, that's so silly. That's not that's not how you ventilate someone. But he'll be like, like, why would they even put that there? Like they don't have windows on that side of the ambulance in that city. So why would they do that? I'm like, no one else notices this. Literally, you're the only person. <laughs> well, how 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 cognizant are you guys wherever you see somebody? He's flatlining. We gotta shock him. I know. You see we had like, someone how? the other day who we just like, had somebody uh, ask us the other day. 
Yeah, it was an yeah, overdose. His friend <laughs> overdosed on heroin. So we're, you know, we're ventilating. We have the firefighters with us. We're ventilating. I'm doing an IV. Like we're doing all this stuff. And he's like, don't you guys have that thing that, you know, the paddles that shock him? And I'm like going to be in teacher mode. And he's like, no, man. Like, what'd you say to him? Like, <laughs> I said, no, I said, I wish we did. I said, do you want some? And oh, yeah. Said, you want me yeah. to share, like, do you want had- some? Yeah, because he said something else smart. And I was just like, you know, I'm like, he doesn't understand. And I'm like, actually, that would be if his heart was not working. Um, But he's his heart is fine. You know, he'll be fine. (laughs) Like, because I'm like, you know, this poor guy is probably thinking, like, why aren't they shocking my friend? Like that he's not breathing. Right. It's a perfect segue in there as a (laughs) it's it's funny to hear. Are you guys usually start IVs on overdoses? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like yeah. to hit them with as little Narcan yeah. as possible. Yeah. Well, because we don't, I mean, hypothetically speaking, from what I've heard from other people on the street, yeah, is <laughs> that we don't even really start the line. We just, I am everybody now. Interesting. Okay. Um, number one, if you give them an IV, they, now out they by are. us, it's, it's, now they need a bed yeah. in a hospital. Oh. Um, and obviously, you know, based on, um, our systems and protocols, that's not, doesn't figure in our (laughs) decision-making, but, uh, it, it, and for me, it's the perfect, I just need them to breathe. I don't need them to wake up. I I don't want them to wake up. I I am, I'm well past, uh, fighting with any patients in the back of the ambulance anymore. I'm done. I am so done with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, so I just need them to breathe and I need to be able to convey them and, and See, uh, for, for us, I just, I want them to breathe, which is why I like to have an IV so I can do as little as possible. Yeah. I also love if they could walk, you know, like, yeah. because um, I don't want them to wake up and be in withdrawal. I always feel bad for them when, when the firefighters hit them with like two milligrams or, and then the homeless shelter hit him with another four. And now this person's yawning uncontrollably or shitting their pants. Um, you know, I feel really bad for that person, but for me, if it's a 280 pound, six foot five guy slumped over in a bathroom, I'm like, this guy could be walking out of here, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, sure. uh, 100% agree with you. And the, his ability to ambulate is definitely figures in my decision-making yep. on administration, but yep. um, I am, I'm telling you, it's, yeah. it lasts longer too. Right. Cause then they can't uh, run out and go get high again. That's what we said. It's the street lore. Yeah. I don't know about that. I can't, can't speak to that, but um, it does work. Uh, the difference between the IV Narcan and the IM Narcan it doesn't, it, it, it you know, it's minute. gentle. It's gentle. Yeah. I guess you would put it. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. if, if, even if you're, if you're pushing, I am Narcan, even if you're doing like a quarter of a milligram, yeah, it's still like a powerful punch. If, if it works right away. If, yeah. you know, you're trying to work your way up and you're titrating your administration yeah. at Narcan, you're working, you're working uh, with the IM. Um, what what I'm finding is that a milligram IM is just as good or a half 
a, a half to one, uh, never the two, yeah. you know, but um, yeah. that it's, it seems to be work perfectly. And <laughs> it, worst case scenario, this guy's stats are up. I'm putting a non-rebreather on him and, you know, he's pink again yep. and he's fine. I'm good with that. Yeah. Cause I we've been doing, we've this. been bagging. We, we got something from somebody and they're like, you know, like if they're blue or whatever, like bag them for a little bit, get them pink. Then you give the Narcan. And we've been doing that for a couple months now. And they, they haven't been angry, you know, yeah. versus where they're the firemen and the homeless police, you know, they're slamming like two, two, four, you know, and yeah, then they that, wake that, up and they're that's mad. Tough. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's tough. You know, we, we've had patients where, you know, they're blue when you get there and, and like, just, they need oxygen, right? Like they need Narcan too, but like, obviously they need oxygen. Um, so, you know, if you're ventilating them and then I can give like a little Narcan and see how that goes. But like when we, we went to a shelter not that long ago and I don't know if they hit them with what, 12 or 16 12. or something. Jesus. It was 12. I yeah, Cause they're the so four bad. shots, the four shots. Oh, the kind this that you can get at Walgreens or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He, he shit and puked all over the room that he was in. Then we were like able to get him downstairs on the chair, yeah. but then he like Pete went out to get the ambulance to get it closer. Cause it was like raining or whatever. And you know, the engine had been in front of us and like now I'm with him in the chair and he's like, you gotta let me out. I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom. And I was like, okay. You know, so I get him out of the chair and he runs into the bathroom on the next floor and like, destroys, destroys that, that and we could not we literally had to get him new clothing yeah like we couldn't remove him from yeah. the building he, and he vomited out was, eggs from the morning yeah that's how much like, vomit he kicked out and he he felt so bad and also like it was like four in the morning and yeah. breakfast is going to start at like six and he's like in the cafeteria bathroom like destroying yeah. it yeah. and i'm like and now someone has to clean that like obviously the staff members at, at the, night the guy show, who gave him the narcan has to clean that oh uh, this poor so. guy and and like he thought he was like i thought he was dead and i was like no man like i get it like you totally did the right thing it's just too much you know like it was too much and he was like he just wasn't breathing and you know he was scared but it was like for this poor guy, I felt so bad for him. Like he was so, so sick. It took us like 40 minutes to leave the building. Cause he would not leave the bath. He wouldn't leave the yeah. toilet. Like yeah. he was like, I can't get up. And we were like, you gotta get up. And he's like, I can't get up. Like, and he had like his head in the sink and you know, yeah. it was, I, I was like this poor guy. So sick. Well, you, you know, know what, you know what else I, what, what used to happen to me a lot with, uh, and I don't, I don't say a lot, with IV administration of Narcan in the neighborhood that I work, I was getting more um, flash pulmonary edema. Interesting. Than, than I should have been. And I'm not a I'm not a slam the Narcan guy. Yeah. I'm a very start small and work my way up guy. But um, when these guys were completely blue, breathing three times a minute. You got to, you got to push a little more yeah. and the people were waking up and like completely hypoxic, completely anxious. And you, you can listen and you can tell they're, they're breathing, they're talking to you, but their sats are still down and yeah. you start mm -hmm. listening. And this has happened more than one time. And, and it's, it's a lot of times it's with people like asthmatics too. They, the Narcan, for whatever reason, and I don't know the, the pathophysiology of why this happens, but 
I, I started having a rash of people really getting this flash pulmonary edema, hmm, hmm. which until it happened to me, I didn't think was a real thing. Yeah. Hmm. Until it started yeah. to happen to me. Yeah. And I was did like, they give Narcan before you got there? No, no. Wow. Okay. Cause the one I had that, that sticks in my head was a kid at a gym and they had given him a bunch of nasal Narcan before we got there. Yeah. And no, he had the is... flash. Hmm. But you, you've seen it though, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I know that it happens. Like, I know yeah. Pete's had it. Our our boss Neil's had it, and like, thank goodness, knock on wood, I haven't. But I know it happens. It's just like we've been pretty lucky, I guess. You know, Pete, um, when you guys had that guy, what'd you do for him? We gave him Narcan, and he ended up getting tubed. So oh my he hadn't. What, yeah, what'd you, hadn't what'd you used... do for him pre-hospital? Like, just did you bag this guy? Uh, yeah, we were ventilating him, and was that? I was with Gideon. I think he tubed him. No, he was clinched. And we were like right around the corner from the hospital. He was in the gym. Okay. And from what I know, from what I, I remember is he hadn't used in a while. And then he did it there. And then he went unconscious. And then they narcaned him. And he had like, there was like a ton of blood coming out. And they're like, we don't know what this is. And I'm like, it's flash pulmonary edema. So yeah. yeah, it was just ventilating and then suctioning the airway. And we we're right there. So well, we had it. We started having pretty good success with uh cpap yeah Yeah. we only got cpap probably three or five years ago yeah well having the cpap um has kept me from doing a a ton more innovations oh Mm -hmm. yeah yep oh yeah cpap is like magic i mean it's not magical but it's it's really really wonderful like to see the difference with folks in like five minutes where you're like how you feeling and they're like you know, like compared to what yeah. they were before, where you're like, oh, I'm watching this guy die, you know? Well, you got to think about how terrible a feeling that must be where you can't breathe as it is. And yeah. somebody's wanting to cover your face I know. with yeah. this, you know, with this plastic this thing, like you have, they're so, I think the coaching is just as important. Yeah. Putting that CPAP, if they, if they've never experienced it before, you'll know the people who have gone through this before because they're reaching for that thing yeah Yeah. if they're reaching for that thing you definitely know they've been through this process before because they know it's going to help but the people who have never had this cpap put on their face before yeah they try to take it off yeah they'll Mm -hmm. fight because it's scary they don't understand the process like you're already if you're working that hard to breathe where i got to put this thing on you you're already we're behind the eight ball as it is yeah yeah and so it's 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 neat you know what I mean? It's, it's neat. Somebody else actually notices that too. So, cause like we tell oh, people yeah. like, yo, you got to put it on, you know, you got to coach them and then you might have to stand behind them. Like, well, you know I what? I, I, yeah, I, like, like, I, I hold it for them. I'm like, I'm just going to hold it. You can yeah. take it off. Um, and then I'm like, all right, now you hold it, hold it, you know, hold it tight. Just, there's a ton of oxygen coming out of yeah. here. You hold it. And when they're holding it to their face, then I start putting the strap, I'll put one <laughs> strap on. Yeah. I'll, I'll, put the other one on I'm yeah. like all right I'll, this is going to hold it for you so you don't have to hold your hand here anymore and then they'll let go and then I'll start tightening the strap yeah. but it, yeah. it's I do pro- like real quick like, you can't just like yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's like once yeah, you let it whatever happen, you gotta just, do man I'm scooping it <laughs> But that's it. It really does work so quickly like it's such a phenomenal change in like such a quick amount of time usually that even when they're afraid, it's like usually you give it like two, three minutes and now yeah, once they once they take that breath and realize, hey, I can I can breathe a little deeper now. Yeah. Maybe you know, 
So it doesn't take long before they're they're realizing this, this is, is the thing. Yeah, this yeah. is the yeah. thing. Uh, and oh, you guys God. don't carry like a lot of crate. You guys don't have pumps and vents and all that fancy stuff, right? Nah. Yeah, I don't, I don't nah. need that stuff. That's for mm-hmm. you, nor you. You know, oh, we, don't have you know no, we don't have that. <laughs> Not on the emergency <laughs> ambulance, anyway. Yeah. No way. Yeah. What about blood? What do you think about blood on the ambulance? I thought about see in Chicago we're we're only three or four minutes yeah. from any hospital. Yeah, I think if you were out in the, a rural rural setting or something like that, I think you should have blood. Yeah, I think it would be it'd probably be really helpful, especially like in traumas and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Some of these guys have you know ten minute transport times, twenty minute transport, and that's that's like on a close rural area. Yeah, um, I think it would be benefit, but you had to have to have a refrigerator. Yeah. yeah, and you have to be able to use drug. it. That's the other thing. Yeah, and you have to change have them to out. You know, like it's, yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like, you know, if you work in a, a rural setting like upstate where maybe it could be even a half hour or 40 minutes to a trauma center, you know, like maybe you're not getting a helicopter or whatever, that makes sense. For us too, it's it's like maybe within 10 minutes we're in a hospital. Generally. Well, you guys have a helicopter too, right? Yeah, but our helicopter is only for our air sea rescue. Um, they'll, but do you guys have a helicopter? Out. We do. Yeah, FDMI does not have a helicopter. Period. None nope. ever. Yeah, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's crazy. But there's nothing nope. we really would need it for, you know. The cops have like a pile of helicopters. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And they have like an arm, like a flotilla of boats. So. Flotilla. Yeah, we have we have a bunch of boats. Mm-hmm. We have a we have a fast boat. We have like a giant. Um, like engine two is a boat and it's got a pump on it. And, um, those guys sleep on the boat uh, during their shift. You know, that's, that's their quarters. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, hmm. They go fishing, uh, I'm guessing. Well, right. they, so where that boat gets docked is in this Harbor and the guys used to fish out there, but then some people started complaining that, Oh, these are taxpayers dollars. These guys are out here fishing, wow. you know, whatever. But yeah, we have a couple boats. We have a fast boat. Um, and these are all for water rescue. Yeah. Uh, our department even has um, um, jet skis. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Mm. And you've, what about, so what about your snowstorm? Cause I remember you guys had that super big snowstorm and you had, yeah. uh, we commandeered uh, snowmobiles. Yeah. Oh yeah there was the, hmm. like a handful of guys that I don't think, I don't think we ever took a run on the snowmobiles, but during the okay. blizzard, um, right when I came on, there were, uh, they went to a couple firehouses, dropped some snowmobiles off and had to train these guys like, um, to use them. But it was right when I came on and there were, uh, runs where we could, we couldn't go into it's like New York in some aspects where some of the side streets were so small. You, you couldn't, you couldn't bring the rig down the side street with all the snow. So at the park on the major street, we took a, um, a Stokes basket okay. and we had to keep a Stokes basket in the back of the ambulance. And that was our conveyance device. We had to yeah. take the Stokes basket, uh, with a rope on it. Yeah. And we would go down the block, put the patient, if they weren't yeah. able to walk, put them in the Stokes basket. And we had to drag them yeah. down oh to the end of the block Lord. where the ambulance were. Yeah. We have and skeds. That, have you ever used got, a sked? Real, yeah. yeah. We have skeds are part of our inventory. Yeah, yeah, we have those. We I those only did on that once. Okay. They're they're a nice piece of equipment. Yeah. You know, 
They're nice. Uh, on the sand for us with our, our bike teams, uh, when we have our, uh, like our ATVs, they have the skeds on top. Okay. And we have to get somebody because they're ATVs, but they don't go on sand. They're terrible. They get uh-huh. stuck. So we'll leave the ATVs up on the sidewalk. We'll go to the patient at the water's edge, put them on the sked and just drag them down um, and uh, bring the bring them to the, uh, the ATV because the ATV can transport them now to an awaiting ambulance okay. somewhere down the line. Yeah. So. What do we, I, I know back in the day we used to have in the summer, like beach overtime. Oh, they still have it. Yeah. Oh, they do, do but I haven't done it in a long time, but I think yeah. we might've had like long boards at the time. Like we had to walk down the beach, <laughs> you know, and like put this person on like a device and drag. Don't say that word, Julianne. Nobody <laughs> likes that word. Hey, are you guys getting away from uh, backboarding people? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, I mean, like not... for immobilization, it's not yeah. in the protocol, but we're allowed to use it. So yeah. And we do sometimes for like, mm-hmm. you know, conveyance i guess like trying to get that, someone that, from that's point pretty much to what we we use it for now is just conveyance more for, yeah. than immobilization i think yeah. that for years we've been doing more harm than good with those backboards yeah yeah, yeah. you know the yeah. old lady who fell down the stairs who remember you know, that osteoporosis and, and she's like trying to straighten up. her out yeah and, what do you mean um, and then hey, she's on there for yeah my protocols hours. are yeah. <laughs> I, know. I know so and now like you know it's funny because like everybody loves the scoop and they're like the scoop's the best thing you know <laughs> but like five years ago nobody knew what the scoop was and they're like what are you using that antiquated piece of equipment for <laughs> you know and now everybody's like scoop is the best thing since sliced bread i don't know so that's that's a new thing out there huh i think ours is every ambulance has one but it just sits there and it gets checked off on the inventory every day really yeah mm-hmm. you guys have um that stair chair stretcher thingy, right? The f- we, flat, what do they call it, a flat or something? No, that's uh, San Diego has that. Hmm. The West Coast. We have a stair chair and we have a cot, but now all our cots are the power cots. Oh, okay. Which but, ones did you guys get? Strikers? They got the strikers. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And, yeah. But you're sacrificing that for the fact that when you have to do move it, it's a thousand pounds. Yeah. This thing is so heavy. It's <laughs> big. I know. And but I was but, talking to some kid and he's never used a stair chair without tracks or a power stretcher, a non-powered stretcher. These are the new kidding. folks. When I came on, well, we had the two-man stretchers back then, you know. I don't know. Did you guys have those where you had to like deadlift the patient up yeah. and stuff? Well, yeah. you had to face each other on each side. Yes. And you had to you had to lift it up. And if you were if you could commandeer somebody to hit the button for you to drop the legs, yeah. that was always that was always yeah. huge. I know. Just I don't miss how far those. we've come though. I, I mean, it wasn't I, that long ago. I got on in 2012, and the spare we still had one of those in there, and they taught you that in the academy. Yeah, but that's because you might have had one. I I don't know. I felt like I was in better shape. I was also 15 years younger, but like you know, old are you, Julian? Like, what's that? How old are you? 25 plus but um yeah i don't know how many i don't know glutes of steel when i was like deadlifting patients you know so (laughs) yeah but you think about um it's so much easier now to take that patient when they are on the backward from the flat ground Mm -hmm. to that power cut yeah now you only have to get them that i don't know a couple of inches maybe yeah yeah 
it's it is especially when you're doing a ton of runs yeah it's such a nice feature to have that power cut yep yeah yeah i think we're getting as i as i got older like when i when they first came out and like the track chairs i was like yo if you can't lift you should be on the ambulance and now i'm like (laughs) "Mm, we had a power you have tracks no Mm -mm. no okay no like our supervisors were supposed to get them but we have like some of the volunteer hospitals, they have them. So we'll call them specific, like we'll call the dispatcher. They can you specifically send them because they have a track chair. Yeah. If the patient's like heavier. Yeah, some people have, like we have a unit that has the power stretcher and there's a few more coming out. So, you know, we had the fernal well, ones. Those ones with the tracks, they, the configuration of buildings by us you could you there's so many that you couldn't use those tracks yeah. because they're like 90 degree turns yep. you you couldn't physically get but if you're just going down a straight tread yep. of stairs those things are fantastic yeah they are but yep. they weigh yeah. a ton mm-hmm. to get them up where you got to go is oh, a chore yeah. yeah and like i said we can't maneuver you lose so much maneuverability using those things yeah, that it's almost you get to a point where I'm just going to manhandle this guy down. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are doing um, both like an old stair chair and then the newer one with the tracks. So, yeah, that, I think that, that's what that's I used definitely... to do when I was on the contract out in the suburbs. We'd keep both and we'd go recon. All right. Yeah. We, yeah. We can bring the treads on this one or not. Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't want to hump 50 pounds around on every job. You know, no. that's no. But, you know, uh, our protocols are uh, our QRB, uh, neither our LifePak 15s, which are huge, or our AE, or LifePak 1000s, which is basically like an AED where we can see a rhythm. Hmm. Um, O2, uh, what else are we supposed to bring by patient side? So we're supposed to bring all that um, to the patient side on every run. Now, the more seasoned paramedics are down to the bag and the stair chair and um that stair chair is always going in yeah. no matter what it's yeah. it, without a doubt that stair chair is always going in and um i think that we're, we're definitely due for some innovations on a stair chair because that's our that's our bread and butter by us. Yeah, you know that that's that true. thing that just think about the stair chair. You guys tell me if you had the same experience. That stair chair acts has the the device that keeps my bag off the floor in these nasty <laughs> apartments. Mm-hmm. It's also protected me from numerous dogs. <laughs> I've used this stair chair to prop prop open doors mm-hmm. when yeah. you know the kind that'll lock behind. I've yeah. used this stair chair for so many other purposes other than conveyance um that that thing goes with us everywhere yeah yeah Yeah. and that's the funny thing like we have like the mutual aid come in and they'll say i've never used a stair chair as much as i've had it have used it here oh yeah yeah. because it's just who brings a stair chair in you or julie i usually Uh, she does us yeah i think all the heavy stuff Mm-hmm. Well, it's, just, I don't, it's not it's that heavy. It's just the opposite by us. Yeah, he, yeah, I do the O2 on my back, and then I put the stair chair like in my arm, and he does the monitor and the drug bag, which is heavy, also. Yeah. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we, it, you'd be hard pressed to find a crew unless you knew that you were going in for a, a 
full of rust. You'd be hard pressed to find crews that are because it's so big. It's like unfeasible to think that you're bringing this thing in, you know. You have to bring it in day. on every call. Yeah. Every call. Well, we're and supposed to bring it in. And that, that's why they got us the life, the life pack 1000s. I like that. Because you can just throw that on the back of the stretcher yep. or somebody's just slinging over their shoulder. Yeah. Because uh, the Zoll ones, which they're a sponsor of our podcast. Have you seen their their monitor? We haven't. No, it's, like a couple of people have had it. I really nev- really? I've never messed with it. So they're tiny and they have uh, so many more bells and whistles. Yeah. <laughs> This thing is this their monitor is lights out cool. Oh, um, I and, and, and I thought that before long before they sponsored our show. Yeah. Uh, just because I'm looking at it as a standpoint of I would rather carry th- I would rather carry this lunchbox mm-hmm. yeah. or the cool or this cooler. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um I, I don't know why Lifepack hasn't dropped their weight yet. You know, it's still the same weight as when it was the white one you know the 15 or what is up yeah. to now it so, is 15 well the I ones do. we're getting are 15 I think, yeah we're right? getting the 15 next month <sighs> oh you are you guys still on life pack 12s no, no, no. we went from life oh. 12 to yeah. mrx's the phillips mrx which is a great thing and now for whatever reason we're going back to life pack which i didn't dislike the life pack but i kind of feel like if we're going to switch up the whole service why are we doing something as as heavy and cumbersome as we have, you know? Well, you know, those decisions aren't made by paramedics on the street. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you know, yeah. once you accept that, you guys, yeah. Yeah, it makes well, more sense. You it know? makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. You know, like the smaller people, like they have all the cool little toys and stuff, you know, and then they hear like, you know, oh, you work for there. You don't have that. It's like, yeah. But it's like, yo, what do you really need? You know? Yeah. Like all this fancy stuff. So, like you guys have the what do you guys have LMAs right? No, we have oh. um, IGEL. Uh, yeah, the IGELs. We'll never get IGELs because it's, it's too many. Really? You have to carry too many sizes. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, we're talking. We're talking to the doctor, and he's like, "I." He's like, "It's too expensive, and we run too many units." Well, mm-hmm. it uh, the I love the IGEL until it came into play with our bike team because they take up a ton of space yeah. and our bike bags are already busting at the seams mm. with everything that we are mandated by the state to carry. Yeah. Uh, and when you now want to put in these eye gels, we're already at maximum cap- capacity and yeah. we, it's now we got to add another bag to our bag just to carry them. So get the tube, just get the tube. Yeah. So we mess with the guys because like if you come in and like you drop a combi tube like we just mess with like you get made fun of. So you guys still have those? Oh yeah, just back in the day. You guys still have combi? Yeah, I'll send you a picture. That's it. We either have a regular tube or combi tube. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. We just got um. Those are going away. Everything. Yeah, Yeah, they're terrible. (laughs) We just got disposable blades and handles. Um. Wow. The beginning of COVID, yeah. So after, before that, they were getting autoclaved and stuff. Really? I think it's uh-huh. just, it's hard because we have so many, how many units do we run in a day? 300 and something. I think total citywide service, like 300. So it's like a lot of ambulances to fit yeah. with all these things. And so it's like, you know, they kind of give us the minimum stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I, I, I get it. I get it. 
Yeah. I don't want to carry all that stuff, you know? So like my kid's mom, she works in, in Jersey and they have two of everything. So they have two monitors, two main bags, two pediatric bags, two trauma bags. Like I don't, they have two of everything. Goes. <laughs> it's a lot of money. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of shit to inventory. It's a lot of shit to like, so every Sunday we have our drug inventory Okay. where we have to go mm-hmm. through everything and look for expiration dates and stuff like that yeah. so that's a chore yeah and you know it also figures in your decision making whether you want to make a trade with somebody or not uh-huh <laughs> yeah because yeah. yeah. on our unit like we have certain people well, there's certain people that do every no they don't i'll be honest they don't they, they rely on us to make sure that everything all the dates are good so you know like the day guys that we relieve, they usually keep it clean pretty much but the other platoon do you guys get relieved and do you relieve the same people pretty consistently? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are cognizant about like how you receive the rig and those yeah. guys are do a good job mm-hmm. of getting it ready for the transition for you guys and you guys do With, the same thing. In reason. So some yeah. are better than others. So sure. I feel like yeah. our first day back from a longer weekend, sometimes it's a little wild. And so it, it takes us, you know, the two of us, like a little longer to check and restock and kind of like put it into the configuration that we like it in. But yeah. I feel like Pete is super good with that. Like we always leave the truck like immaculate and gassed up and ready to go. You know what I mean? Like right off the bat. Yeah. So. Well, there are, there are days where me and my partner will come in and the crew we're leaving, it's just backing in and they're like, man, we're sorry. There might be some blood somewhere. We, our last run was, you know, this shooting, this guy was bleeding everywhere. We'd be like, go home, man. Yeah. You got it. It's no big deal. But that guy gets leeway because every other day he's spotless. Yeah. When we show up to work, their shit has been replaced. Yeah. He's cleaned it. The garbage is thrown out. You know, those are certain responsibilities that the FPM usually takes on. Yeah. He's making sure that when the other crew comes on, the garbage is taken out, the place is wiped down. Uh, all the equipment's been replaced from the day before all the drugs have been replaced, you know, like the albuterol and the Narcan yeah. and mm-hmm. all that shit. Um, and when I was an FPM, I would get up, you know, we usually relieve at six 30. Um, okay. now it's pretty much six 30 across the board with everybody. And I would get up at six set my alarm for six and then I would get back there and make sure that everything was spotless. Everything was clean. Everything was Mm -hmm. replaced down to the angio. And you know, that was just me wanting the other crews that relieved me to get the rig the same way that I got it. And that, you know, it was a a pride thing that I kept the clean ambulance. Yeah. You know, I would throw all the garbage out that, you know, you guys know how much garbage gets accumulated in a 24 hour shift. (laughs) between yeah. the two it's seats. amazing what's under the seat too like it's yeah. scary under those seats man yeah well how many snacks and cans and yeah everything and monsters and mm-hmm. you know everything yeah. everything so all that shit gets thrown out and you know that it was a pride thing yeah, yeah. and plus it, like you said it gives you leeway you know when you miss that 
yeah. spot of blood. We, we've had a you few like traumas yeah, where we we're like, blood. when we come back to like, oh, guys, there was like blood on, you know, whatever the cabinets. And we're like, oh my God, so sorry. You know, like we spent like an hour cleaning the back of the ambulance. Yeah. We missed that, you know, yeah. or it, it'll be on the stretcher. But like every other day, it's immaculate back there. You know what yeah. I mean? And completely restocked. Um, but it that's what that's another reason where it's like if one of us is not going to be there, it kind of stinks that you're going to be on a unit. And like there's so many times I go on someone else's ambulance and I'm like, what yeah. is this? Like, I don't know where anything is. It's like a yeah. mess, you know. And um, well, for the most well, part, mm-hmm. our rigs are set up. The basics are set up exactly the same so that when you do go work in another um, uh, district, you, you know that you could take that first run without even seeing the back of the ambulance. And you know that all the airway stuff's going to be here. Yeah. You know, the trauma stuff's going to be here. You know, what's under the seat should generally be there uh, with some exceptions. The downtown rigs will keep their narcs in the bag in the QRB instead of the lockbox because hmm. they don't want to be up on the 200th floor yeah. and wind hmm. up that the shortness of breath was a seizure or something like that. So, yeah, that's well. I mean, like we carry ours on our person, which is right. I remember I was making fun of yeah. your fanny packs last night. <laughs> yeah, you got fanny, like fanny packs. Pack. Yeah. You still rocking the fanny pack, Julie? Yes, no. yes. Nerd. Of course. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> They're fancy. I like my fanny packs. Yeah. They are. They're yeah. fancy. Like, once you wear them like that, it, it, you know, you'll go somewhere and you explain to people like that is an amazing idea. You know, well, I, I'm making fun of your fanny packs, but I'll send you pictures. Uh, last year, or the year before, most of the uh, bike team, the mobile medical response team, s- started opting for fanny packs okay. because I started. They were like, "What do you, what do you wear?" And I'm like, "Check this out. I got, I got everything to run a call." So I had my glucometer. Yep. I had uh, IV setup. Um, what else? I had the blood pressure cuff, all in there. That's because you don't want to go digging in your bike bag for that because your bike bag usually has other shit on top. So, and for the most part, 90% of what we're doing, neither needs the, you're going to start a line for the ambulance coming in. You're going to definitely get a blood pressure and a blood sugar. Yeah. And that's it. You know, you'll throw a Narcan in there too. And like some four by fours and that's it. So that was my fanny pack. And they're like, that's, that is a good idea. So yeah. I have a picture of all these guys rocking their fanny packs on the bike team. <laughs> See, so. if you want to be really tactical, you get like a leg leg pouch. <laughs> you know, like we have some guys that have like leg pouches. That's just for me. That's that's over the well, top. Well, those guys have like snacks and stuff like that in there, right? Like, <laughs> I'm gonna send like you a, a picture a, of one of the guys. A box <laughs> of gloves. It's uh, a yeah. Some, some candy. There's some interesting ones out there. I don't, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I gotta I, slim down. I'm, I'm, I only wanted to make fun of Julie, not the whole fanny pack industry. <laughs> oh no, that's okay. That I wouldn't <laughs> dazzle mine, you know. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's just plain you'd black. Be out of, you're right. You'd be out of uniform. Exactly. You do that. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah. maybe. Yeah, we'll get next one. Definitely. Well, I'm I'm uh, glad you guys had me on. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you came on. I'm glad uh, you know. I I sent Julie a message. I checking in with my New York brothers and sisters. And then next thing I know, hey, let's let's do something. I was like, hell yeah, I'll do something yeah. any day. That was yep. that was like serendipity because mm-hmm. Pete and I had been talking about like getting in touch with you and having you on the show. Like we really we wanted you like to talk about EMS, like you know specifically. Yeah. And then it was uh, 
Did I like, talk enough EMS with you guys? You did. <laughs> you yeah, did. So. I'm so but, jealous of all the shootings you guys get, though. I know. So. But that was <laughs> within, like, I think, 24 time. hours, you you text. So I yeah. feel like that was meant to be, you know? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I was yeah. feeling it. Yeah. Do you ever watch it. that guy? I have to send you this thing. He, like, goes around and talks to all, like, the gang members and stuff. And, like, he's, like, in the hood over there and stuff. In and Chicago? I was like, wow, yeah. I was watching it the other day. Remember that stuff Mike showed me? It was oh, wild. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a couple of them. One guy, it's, like, almost like a, like, um a homemade news show that yeah. he has. He goes like all um, different hoods and stuff. And I get yeah. credit. That's scary. Well, he, he drives around in um in like a old uh decommissioned cop car. Okay. Oh and he has goodness. his he and he has a ton of antennas on there because he's just scanning. Wow. And he'll run he'll run the calls. Huh. You know you you'll see him like at fires or at shootings. He's just listening to a scanner, just run around the city, like going. Does he to take all these... pictures or he's video? He he, well, he does video, okay. and he'll show up and like some people will be like, "Hey, you're that guy." Yeah, wow. that's like, cool. Yeah, we we have someone here like that, like loud yeah, with the lab. loud labs guy. Yeah, the they'll yeah. come on like hot jobs, you know. Yeah, and uh, and then yeah, later you check loud labs, like, are we on it? You know, and it's like. <laughs> Now, I showed my my son that thinking I was like very cool. I was like, oh my god, look at this! And he was like, was that on the news? And I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, like for him it was like that's not a really cool thing, you know? It wasn't on TV. Hey, so. did uh, whatever happened to the girl who got fired for having an OnlyFans thing? Oh, you know was from was the it, wasn't she a New York? She was from the, yeah, she was from the uh, the Voluntaries. Um, Which they're that, a little. A... So because they, they're yeah, they're yeah. advertising her as a NYFD paramedic. No, she, no I she mean was, she works. She might have worked nine one one in the city. No. She so worked nine one one, but she didn't New work York for the fire paramedic. department. Oh no, not for us. No, but not for us. There are some private ambulances that work within the nine one one system. Um, yeah. I'm assuming she probably has a case going. You know, I know she's on some group me thing that I'm on because I oh, see her. I, I, thought, I thought she was uh, with you guys. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We have enough scandals. You should be able to do whatever you want to do. Exactly. You got to make what money. I'm saying. You know? Yeah. And, right. and if you work on a private, you're definitely not making any money. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, so yep. if, if that's it's... what you got to do to pay your bills, who, who's to tell you otherwise? Exactly. I know. Listen, when you're off, you're off, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's not like you're wearing a uniform on there, you know, as far as well, I know. <laughs> you know, one so. of the things, you know, that being said, though, one of the things that the bosses come down to the academy and reiterate with our candidates is you're and it's it's in our um, their candidate handbook that you are held to that standard on duty and off duty. Mm-hmm. And they put it to you this way. And this kind of drives home the message. If you get in trouble off the job, when the news portrays your picture on the screen, it's not going to say Ben Zittman did this. It's going to say Chicago Fire Department paramedic Ben Zittman. And so whether you were on the job at the time that you, you know, did something stupid or you were at home doing something stupid. The news is going to report it has Chicago Fire Department. Mm-hmm. You know, if Chicago Fire Department member for sure. Yep. 
Yeah, because they and, love that. Yeah, because because yeah. that's what sells. That's what yeah. you know will get oh, people to tune into their channel. Yeah. And um, so that kind of brings it into more focus on that being doing what we do. We kind of are to an extent held to a different standard. So yeah, I, I see both sides. I want to I want to wholeheartedly believe that on my time I should be allowed to do whatever I want to do. And if that's having an OnlyFans, which if I had an OnlyFans, Pete, I'd have to pay people. It would cost uh, you don't me know. Money. Listen, you never know. It would cost know. me money. Listen, no. the, the, the fanny pack. No, no, no. You know. Yeah, you got if you got like a I, cool it, looking just the no, fanny pack. It was, tattoos it was only the stuff. fanny pack. Just the fanny yeah. pack. Yeah, fanny packs and tattoos. You know, you'll be in. And Pete, I think yeah. we're good. I think we found our our calling. I know. Yep. <laughs> yep. But it's like I'll tell you this. We'll we'll end it at this. There's more cameras around than you think there are. One hundred percent. And mm-hmm. even when you think you're not on camera, you're on camera. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and uh, they're a lot better than they've ever been. So yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Always assume that you're on camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. don't do anything you wouldn't want to have someone take um, a picture of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, guys. Thank yeah. you so well, much. Thank you for coming on. It was a blast as and, always. Yeah. Um, When's this other podcast coming out with the second half of the Chiefs there? Um, well, we just so we just had the today part two came out for Billy oh, Heenan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. If you're if you're like an animal rights guy, you probably won't because he has a run in <laughs> with a raccoon. Oh no. So oh, uh man. Uh, but it, right. he's an amazing guy. And if you listen to the first one, this guy caught an eight year old girl while he was on a ladder. The ladder couldn't get to the, where oh, she was yes. and um, the family was dangling her out the window and he caught her with one arm. Yes. I was listening to that. I like looked the story up. I like watched Yeah, We news. watched the news report. Yeah. Too. We watched the news. Where did thing you guys from, find the news report on YouTube? I think it was, didn't yeah. wasn't it on YouTube? It was like, yeah. it was like a half hour long news episode. Yeah, it was a whole that episode. Night, you know, did you, did they show the video? Uh, he was on the ladder. Yeah, he was on I the saw ladder. I saw a picture of him on the ladder. And the guy going down the, video the thing. The okay. But I but did yeah. see the picture. So stories like that are exactly why I wanted to start Chicago's Bravest Stories. Because that story right there epitomizes everything I wanted to do with that podcast. Yeah. Plus, that was just one story of a two-part podcast that was filled with stories. His story about when the room flashed over on him and that was his near-death experience. He was intubated and this was a hard chart. They don't get harder chartered firemen than Billy Heenan. Yeah. And he was inches away from, in his, in his own words, from leaving the job. That's how traumatized he was by that flashover. Wow. Um, and hear him tell the story about the events that unfolded during that flashover. I mean, those amazing stories are what I wanted to document in our podcast and to be able to sit down and have a beer or a glass of whiskey with these amazing people and hear these amazing stories. People are like, oh man, you know, uh, it's, you guys do, I'm like, 
all I'm doing is I'm, it's selfish for me to sit down with these people and being able, I would love to sit at a bar and drink yeah. with this guy and, and yeah, like bullshit tell story. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we're doing at our studio. And yeah. our studio is set up like that. We have a whiskey bar. We have a fridge. One of our sponsors is a brewery and we have a drink and we tell stories and it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's designed like that. Yeah. So I'm the one who's honored and privileged to be in the same room with these people telling me the story. Yeah. So it's, it's very self selfish on my part. Uh, more than anything but thank you guys so much for listening thank you for yeah. promoting our podcast because it means a lot to me and i love you too and anything you guys need you know i'm there for you cool thanks. man thanks well thank all right. you all right all right Hold you on. guys Let's be see. safe yes 